the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And so Jesus is very clear that we cannot be right with God unless we are right with others. And sometimes people wonder why there seems to be a barrier between them and God. Why it doesn't seem like God is hearing their prayers. And sometimes that's because that person has put up a barrier because of unresolved issues. And reality is that we all have unresolved issues, but it's the way we deal with them, how do we resolve them, that makes all the difference in the world. Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, and he's going to continue in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, in just a moment. I hope you can follow along. I'm Mike Trout. This is a daily visit from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So what he's saying is Christianity is meant to be seen. There can be no such thing as secret discipleship. For either the secrecy destroys the discipleship, or the discipleship destroys the secrecy. You see, if you're really a disciple, you're going to change, and you can't keep that a secret. And so uh, we're called to make our Christianity visible, but we're called to do our good works and bring glory to God. Now, there were some, like the Pharisees, who did good works, but they didn't do it to bring glory to God, they brought it, they did it to bring glory to themselves. And Jesus does not commend that kind of behavior or that kind of activity. Anything good comes from God. God should always receive the glory. If it's good, it's God. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. One of the significant words here is the word fulfill. And it can be understood in, in a number of ways. It can be, mean that, that he would do the things that were laid down in the law. He would fulfill them, the things that were laid down. It might mean that he would teach the full meaning of Scripture. And it can mean that his life and teaching would bring Scripture to its completion. He would fulfill what was promised in Scripture. And Jesus fulfills Scripture in all three of these ways. He fulfills the law in action because he's the only person who ever lived who never sinned. And then secondly, he taught the true meaning of Scripture in word and example. And third, he also fulfilled the law by dying on the cross and satisfying the requirements of the law for all who put their faith in him as Savior and Lord. He fulfilled the Scripture in every regard. Verse 18, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And one of the things we take from this verse is that Jesus is describing the inspiration of Scripture. It is the Word of God. 
It is the words of God. The words that we have in Scripture are the words God chose to give us. In fact, it's the word of God down to every dot and iota. It's the very words of God. Why do we believe that it's the words of God? Because Jesus believed that it's the words, the very word of God. Verse 19, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus is saying that in order for us to get into heaven, we don't need more of the same kind of righteousness as the scribes and the Pharisees. We need a different kind of righteousness altogether. They tried to depend on a righteousness that they manufactured. It doesn't work. We need to depend on the righteousness that is provided by God through Christ, our Savior and Lord. And then from verse 21 to the end of the chapter, he describes what this righteousness is like when it's lived out. Verse 21, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to the judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. You notice there's a sequence here. The first level describes an unexpressed anger towards another person. And the next level describes expressing that anger towards another person, which could result in the counsel. And then the third level speaks of speaking ill of that person to other people. That is disparaging and slandering and defaming. These are gossips and gossipers. And I've heard it said a number of times over the year, well, if it's true, it's not slander. It's not slander if it's true. You probably have heard that. People think that it's, if it's true, it can't be slander. That person or those people have received some poor advice because it's not only contrary to the laws of God, it's contrary to the laws of our nation. The law concerning slander or libel is taught by the textbook in the journalism school at San Francisco State states, that truth is a defense against libel or slander unless the one bringing lawsuit can provide or prove i'm sorry the one bringing the lawsuit can prove malice the law says that if someone speaks the truth with malice that is attempting to cause another person injury that person is guilty of libel slander and or disparagement. Now that's true in the legal realm, but there's something far more dangerous, and that's the spiritual realm, because Jesus says that such a person is in danger of going to hell. So disparagement is not trivial to God. Slander, libel is not trivial to God. We have to be very careful what we say to and about others. Verse 23, so if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. An angry person has to be careful how they worship. Jesus commands 
that they leave their gift because something is more important and something is more urgent. They're to leave it and go and take care of that matter. And so Jesus is very clear that we cannot be right with God unless we are right with others. And sometimes people wonder why there seems to be a barrier between them and God. Why it doesn't seem like God is hearing their prayers or answering their prayers. And sometimes that's because that person has put up a barrier because of unresolved issues. As much as it's possible, we need to resolve issues. Now, we can't always do that. Sometimes the other person has already passed from this life into the next with unresolved issues. There's no way we can resolve those issues. And other times there are people who don't have forgiving Christian attitudes and they're not interested in sitting down and being reconciled. You can't force someone to reconciliation. But Romans 12:18 says we should make every effort as far as it depends on us to live peaceably with all. If we can bring about peace, we should do so. Verse 25, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. And so Jesus is providing some really practical advice uh, in, in, the, in the fact that justice is rarely served in the justice system. And over the many decades, I've seen far too many people who have been wrecked by injustice from the justice system. And so what Jesus is pointing out, very practically, if you can get something resolved before it gets to the point of court, do that. But beyond this practical and temporal matter is an eternal matter. Because this sin of anger, like all sins, is ultimately committed against God. And that's why Jesus talks about being thrown into prison until you paid the last penny. He's, he's not just thinking of a physical prison. He's thinking about hell. And he's telling us we need to get these things right before judgment day and our destiny is sealed. Verse 27. You've heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And so Jesus here again is quoting an Old Testament passage from the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And according to this law, the person must not have sexual relations with anyone other than their spouse within the lifetime marriage covenant between one man and one woman. And Jesus is saying even the desire to have that kind of relationship with someone other than your spouse is mental adultery and thus sin. And so what he's doing here is he's addressing the heart of the matter that sin really begins in the heart. And, and he's saying that we have to be careful about our thoughts. And when, and when we find a destructive habit or thought pattern, we need to cut it off and throw it away. Now, we can't control what comes into our minds. We can be watch, watching television and some commercial comes up and something provocative triggers something in our mind. We, we're in a world that we're inundated with images and so forth. We, don't, we can't control what comes into our minds. But we can control what stays in our minds. 
what we choose to think about. The Apostle Paul wrote, take every thought captive to obey Christ. And elsewhere he tells us to think about things that are noble and pure. Now lust often contributes to divorce, and so that's the next issue that Jesus addresses. He says, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Divorce is the termination of a marriage. Marriage was created by God. And we'll pick up right there with Pastor Leighton Sheely on the next edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. This series in the book of Matthew can be found on the website in its entirety at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Just click on the media link on the homepage and the sermon archives will open up to you. And if you'd like to join with us, be a prayer partner and a financial partner, you can give safely again on that website, highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow when we once again open the Word of God at this same time and study verse by verse.